This morning's lesson is from 2 Timothy, reading from chapter 3, starting at verse 14. In the Pew Bibles, that can be found on page 1196. 1196. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather round them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. This is the word of the Lord. Ivan. Let's pray. Lord, may we hear you speak through Ivan's words. Father, we pray that you will bless Ivan and anoint him as he brings the words he has prepared to us. Amen. Can you all hear me at the back? Fantastic. Thank you. I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. So said Woody Allen. And he was only joking, of course, but um, he was alluding to a taboo subject, something which modern 21st century man doesn't like to talk about or discuss death. And I was just wondering, as I put my thoughts together for this morning, um, how different this might have been if I knew that I only had a few minutes left to live. And I wonder how you too would react if you knew that your life would be at an end. Sometime today, or maybe in a few minutes. More about that later. I don't know about you, but I love receiving letters, especially those ones that are written by hand. And I've brought here a couple of letters which were written by children to God. Here's the first one. Dear God, instead of letting people die and having to make new ones, 
Why don't you just keep the ones you've got now? I thought that was quite a good idea, actually. <laughs> you can't write these things <laughs> out of the mouths of babes and sucklings. Um, another one here, another, another letter which I liked. Thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> and I thought you'd like that one. What we read this morning was an extract from a letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. And let's put it in context. Paul is writing from prison, and it seems that he thinks his days are numbered. As he says uh, a bit later, the time has come for my departure. We only read a, a short uh, part of the letter, but he's just made reference to the society that he's living in, and this is what he, he said. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. That rings a few bells, doesn't it? Nothing has changed, you may say. If uh, Paul had been here alive today, he'd have been making pretty much the same comments. Then he goes on to underline the importance of the Holy Scriptures and their, goal, their role, rather, in guiding our conduct. This is what he says. Essentially, he says, firstly, that the Holy Scriptures teach us how we can be saved through faith in Jesus Christ, which is why Timothy's mother, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois, played such a key role in his life because they taught him the scriptures when he was a child. God bless the ladies. They do a grand job. He didn't say that, by the way. <laughs> Secondly, they're inspired by God. Admittedly, Paul was referring to the Old Testament, as the, Old, the New Testament didn't exist at the time of writing. The book of Revelation, though, starts by saying the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the gospel writer, John, states that he wrote his gospel so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And on that basis, I think it's fair to, say, to make the same assumption about the divine inspiration of the New Testament as well. Thirdly, the scriptures, the scriptures should have an effect on how we live our lives. If they're just a collection of old documents, they may be of interest if you're into that sort of thing. But if they really are inspired by God, we've surely got to take notice and act on what they say. Lastly, we should preach God's word whenever and wherever to help others get things right with God and as an encouragement 
A few verses earlier, Paul says the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Uh, I like now and then digging into the translation of the Bible called the message. And I find that the message translation really hits the spot here. This is what uh, it says. People will have no stomach for solid teaching, but will fill up on spiritual junk food. Catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. They'll turn their backs on truth and chase mirages. How true that is. So what sort of things are they saying then? Here are a few examples. I could have given many, but uh, just three here. Um, uh, these are made statements made by celebrities who you'll know. First one. Believe what you want. Whatever makes you happy. That was Joanna Lumley. Here's another one. Easter is all about remembering the importance of change, responsibility, and doing the right thing for the good of our children. That was our last Prime Minister, David Cameron. I'm surprised he came out with that, but anyway, he did. And now listen to this. Stop it there, as I'm sure that in, in your minds you were singing along to that one. Um, what does it say? That was John Lennon, of course. This is what it said. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. And so it goes on. It's a great song. And it's very catchy. And every time they do these surveys uh, to determine what the nation's favourite pop song is, I don't know why they bother to do that, but they seem to do it. Uh, it's always one of, the, one of those favourites. Sometimes it comes out as the first, or it's usually in the top two or three. Unfortunately, what it says is very much in tune with the spirit of our times. In other words... 
Let's forget all about that religious stuff and the God stuff. Let's just live for, t- for today and do our own thing. Isn't it sad, though, that these quotations, typical of what we hear so often nowadays, show us how so many people have no room for God in their lives? Three challenges. If the Holy Scriptures teach us how to be saved through faith in Jesus Christ, have we been saved? Or are they just a collection of words in a dusty old book on a shelf? Do the Holy Scriptures have an influence on how we live our lives? In other words, do we, do we take the Bible seriously? Do we stand out as being different? Or are we just one of the gang? And lastly, are we encouraging those with whom we come into contact to get to know God in a personal way? Paul is anxious that Timothy should have sound doctrine. That is, he wants him to know the scriptures and be clear about what they're saying. I wonder, do we take the scriptures seriously? Do we pay attention to what they really say? Let me give you a few examples. Let's look at the story Jesus told of the man who built his house upon the rock and the man who built his house upon the sand. I must admit, I can't read that without thinking about the song I learnt in Sunday school. Uh, and all the actions, of course. It was great fun. We, we sang it and we did it. Um, uh, and it was real knockabout stuff. And, of course, that's a real distortion of the point Jesus was making. He was challenging us to decide whether to put our trust in material things which will pass away, or to have a deep-seated faith in God. The the late uh, Bing Crosby, the singer, uh, was told that he couldn't take his possessions with him when he died. To which he said, uh, in that case, I'm not going. (laughs) But of course he did die, and he took absolutely nothing with him when he died. How sad. I remember when our Andrew was a child, he and I used to act out some of the dramatic events in the Bible. He used to love Cain and Abel. (laughs) You're running ahead of me now. (laughs) Um, I, of course, had to play the part of Abel. And David and Goliath. You can guess who I was. <laughs> yeah. And every time I hit the deck, I thought it would have been so much more comfortable for me if Goliath could have won. <laughs> Just once. What he really enjoyed, though, even relished, was the passage about the death of poor 98-year-old Eli the priest, who fell off his chair and broke his neck. 
You can, it's a sad moment recounted in graphic detail in the first book of Samuel chapter 4. Read it for yourselves when you get home. To our Andrew, it was pure farce. <laughs> in all these accounts, it's tempting to get so caught up with the action that we forget the deeper meaning. What about Noah's Ark? It is so sweet. And children can draw pretty pictures of it and make little models to show mummy when they get home. And we can talk about ecology and the preservation of the species and so on. And of course, children love animals, don't they? Um, uh, I, I, in, uh, a few years ago, I was teaching French in primary school, and that was great fun, uh, especially when I did animals, because children love animals. And I tried to do as many lessons as I could involving animals, and children bringing in cuddly toys and everything, animals, 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 and they loved it. I, they could never get enough of it. Uh, we did it in French, of course, because there were French lessons. But we were having a ball, and so was I. All of, we were all having a ball. But that was their favorite topic. And as I was intimating, Noah's Ark is a great little children's children story, isn't it? Wrong again. The whole point of the Noah's Ark narrative is God's judgment on man. And we're misinterpreting scripture, almost turning it into a Disney cartoon if we treat it all as nice and cuddly. Because nice and cuddly, it is not. So why is it that we refer to Noah's Ark and Daniel in the lion's den and David and Goliath and Cain and Abel and so on as stories? If we do, I believe, and this only came to me a couple of years ago, I must confess. But I think we're saying three things. First of all, it's not true. It's just a fairy tale. Secondly, it's something for the children, not for me, because I am far too sophisticated. And therefore, it's irrelevant, and I can walk away from it. It's got nothing to do with me at all. And so we miss the point. How sad, it's wasted on us. How sad is that? Well, what are we really saying if we talk about the Christmas story or the Easter story? We are, in fact, saying it didn't actually happen, didn't really happen, so we don't need to take it seriously. Now, I'm sure that's not what we think, but if we refer to these events as a story, that's precisely what we communicate to everybody else. The way we interpret scripture is important, as is the way we communicate the meaning to others. What value do we place on the scriptures? Are they something of passing interest which we read at church and then forget about, or do they have a greater significance? I'm sure that you, like me, you receive a lot of junk mail, often letters which claim to be addressed to you individually. But of course, they're, they're quite impersonal. They're sent to thousands, if not millions, of homes. 
And, and like me, you discard them, I'm sure, and put them in the recycling bin. But, and this requires a stretch of the imagination, what if you received a letter inspired by God? Incredibly, that is just what Paul is claiming about the Holy Scriptures. If we ignore what he says, that's great. Life as usual, no changes necessary. We can eat, drink, and be merry, and do our own thing. It really doesn't matter. But if Scripture is inspired by God, that implies that God is speaking to us through it. And that's another ball game. Which brings us back, in a very roundabout way, to Woody Allen. I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. Of course, it will happen, unless Jesus returns before we die. Do we believe that? If we take scripture seriously, we will believe just that. Because Paul certainly believed it. And that's why he urges Timothy to preach the word. The Message Bible, referring to this one again, uh, the Message Translation puts it this way. Christ himself is the judge with the final say on everyone, living and dead. That is a bit daunting, isn't it? It makes me think, what will he say about you? Uh, and what will he say about me? Many moons ago, when I was at uh, university, I used to go cross-country running. Tiring, dirty, messy, but great exercise, and above all, great fun. And we used to run 10 or 12 miles, whatever the weather, and believe me, sometimes it was cold, windy, raining, even snowing. But we ran across ploughed fields, over streams, up and down hills. You get the picture. At the end of the race, there was always a man standing there by the finishing line who slapped me on the back and said, well done, lad. Actually, it was up north, so it was well done, lad. <laughs> but I enjoyed that. He said it to everybody, well done, well done. At the end of your life, though, I wonder, what will God say to you? What will he say to me? May God help and, dis help and guide us as we discern what he is saying to us through the scriptures. And may he help us put it all into practice. I've prepared some handouts which you should have been given this morning as you came in. Uh, and they're for your food, food for thought and prayer during the coming week. Amen. And I wondered now if we could just have a moment of reflection. I've only used words, but just a moment of silence just so that we can think through some of the things which God may have been saying through the words I've used.